0: Welcome to Well Why Not, conversations about opening your mind, then your passport. My name is Deborah, and I'm a first generation Haitian American who decided to leave the U.S. several times during my adult life. Currently, I live in Quito, Ecuador, where I've been for the past four years. I'd like to share more about my journey with you and invite others who have taken the leap to move away from the familiar, mainly in the form of immigration or expatriation. Greetings, Sakapfet, salut, hola, que tal, ciao! As you can guess, today's episode is going to be about my bilingual journey. So in t- thinking about why I decided to learn languages, um, because it is an undertaking, um, it, it, I realized it goes far back. Um, far back to being a child who who grew up bilingual. So my first two language or my maternal languages are English and Haitian Creole. I was speaking Haitian Creole before I learned English, but because I started English so early, I don't have that recollection of you know when I made that switch. I was. Probably around three years old when I started um, speaking, so it. I think that had a big part of it. I think um, for children who grow up um, in bilingual homes and, and who are, you know, speaking one or more languages uh, from early on, it's not a. It's not a leap. Um, there's there's less fear associated with learning another language, and you just. You know you've done it, so why not do it again? <laughs> so, for me, in middle school is when I decided to start learning French, and I knew um, by then that I didn't speak it. Um, a lot of, uh, I mean, French is a, an official language of Haiti as well, but like I mentioned in a previous episode, a hundred percent of Haitians speak Haitian Creole, and and you could find maybe you know, give or take 15% who speak French fluently. French is taught in schools. Um, but it's, you know, it's, a it's, I, I don't want to say it's Haitian French, because I don't think that exists. Um, it's just different. It's not the French that you would necessarily learn in France. So, which is very typical um, of former colonies. And so I knew, I didn't speak it, <laughs> I, you know, when I heard it, even though I spoke understood Creole, Haitian Creole. I knew when I heard French, I could understand vocabulary. I can understand the gist of a conversation, but I did not understand how to conjugate verbs. Um, I didn't understand, uh, you know, the syntax. I didn't underst- I didn't speak the language. I knew that. So in middle school, I would I think it was about eighth grade. I said I I needed an elective, and and I said, "Oh, I'll take French." Um, And I really did not, at that moment or at that point, think that I was going to stick to it. Just like I said, I needed one more elective. It was my, you know, third or final year in middle school, and then was moving on to high school. But it did stick. So by and I found it to be pretty easy. The beginning, you know, early lessons and, you know, just learning the basics of the language. I understood a lot. So I did really well. And I, maybe that's why I decided to continue in high school. So ninth grade continued. Um, and it was a lot of the, a lot of repeat. So, um, it was, I think considered like French one. Um, I don't recall how they were designated back then. And so again, another easy a, (laughs) and so I continued and then you know, 10th sec- grade, so sophomore year, I'm, you know, in French too. Um, or I really, I, I know I'm messing this up. I, I don't remember how they, how they separated the levels, but I do recall by the time I was going into my junior year, my French teacher said, Well, you know, you have a really good level. Um, why don't you consider going into AP? Now, advanced placement. A- advanced placement, usually people took their senior year because you you could earn university credits for it. But she thought I could handle it. And I was like, I don't know. And thank goodness. <laughs> I think I I've had the wherewithal even then to sort of be realistic about my abilities. And I said, yeah, I, I really, you know, I don't know. I don't think so. And I knew that I'd also be in that class with, with a lot of seniors. And I, I just, I, I didn't think I was ready. So what she did she, over the summer, she gave me books that... Um, you actually had to read during the summer before you started um, the AP class and without officially um, applying for or registering for that. And I, I couldn't get through it. I couldn't even the first book, it was it was like a play. I could not get through it, and pretty much the first day, first week of junior year, I walked in. I was like, no, <laughs> I need to take whatever comes next before I jump into it. And so by senior year, I did. I was I was an AP, and it was it was at that point too. I realized, wow, the difference. Um, in, when you're learning a language, I, you have your peaks and valleys. So there are moments where you're struggling and you feel like I'm not advancing, but those are the moments when you are. And then there's the moments where you plateau and you're like, I got this. Until you get to the moment of challenges again. So I I knew I couldn't read that book that summer, but then by the time I was uh, it was my senior year, and I, I I just plowed through it, and it was like, wow. I've learned more than I thought, <laughs> even though, yeah, I had my moments of challenges. But up until then, I still felt like learning French was easier for me. The pronunciation was easier. Again, I understood a lot of the vocabulary. So what I focused a lot on was the grammar and and, and all those things, which are not that easy. But I, I think I just having the ability to check off a couple other things because of um because I spoke Haitian Creole made, made learning French a lot easier so AP was great too I mean I that was again I think taking it and knowing that you were getting college credits for it you I felt like I had this level of, of the language um so I did that and then by so going into freshman year in college continued with the French and um I did get to skip, so I, I got the AP credits, and then I, um, I think I started in like sophomore level um, French classes, and again, I think even then, I still felt an, a certain level of comfort. I was still learning. There was still a lot of vocabulary, and we, we did a lot of um, literature, and then I Took a conversational class, which helped a lot too with with feeling comfortable in public speaking, but also you know speaking in um, in a different language. Because sometimes I think I, I would feel self conscious about my ability to to pronounce things, which sounds silly, but I guess you know when you're young, um, I I knew I could pronounce uh, words pretty well and and very close to to what a French person could could pronounce, but most of my classmates couldn't. So instead of being proud of that, I felt self-conscious about it. No, um, you know, being able to, or even, you know, in in conversing when we did, you know, those types of practice exercises, I would sort of mute my ability to roll my Rs and and all of that. Um, just I don't know. I it was all me. It was all me. I don't think my my classmates would have looked at me differently. Um, but yeah eventually, um as I started moving on through my semesters um and continuing so every semester I was taking taking um French, and I think by sophomore year, I wasn't sure I knew I didn't want to major um in French, but it- it almost seemed like why not minor because I was already taking credits i was you know and again, it was that one class where I knew I could it would help my GPA because I always did pretty well. So um, the end of my sophomore year when, um, when I decided to study abroad, um, that was uh, the selling point for my advisor as well. She said, you know, if you, you if you study abroad in France, you, the classes you're taking will count twice. So you'll get credit for your global studies major and you'll also get um, credit for French. So why not double major, um, which at that point seemed overwhelming, but when she put it that way and I didn't have to take extra classes, um, it made perfect sense. So um, arriving in France, uh, I I think I arrived with the idea that, yeah, I speak. I can get around. I can ask for things. And I could. I could. Um, but I do remember um, this was our first month. So our the first month um, was kind of set up differently because one, we had to take this like intensive um, language course, which was great because whatever your level, you were in that class or, you know, in that, in the course that, that, you know, suited your, your, where you were. And, um, and then after the month you would start normal classes. And I think one of the reasons they did that also is at that time, uh, the French, um, universities would start in October, whereas we were, coming from the California State um, system, we would start in August. So that month um, just helped you polish. If you already spoke really well, you polished, but none of us did. I mean, all of us learned a lot during those intensive courses. And um, we also were set up in a dorm, which was temporary. So the dorms, again, were empty because French University students hadn't arrived yet. And um, it gave us time to look for housing and and and, and whatnot. Um, I re- distinctly remember returning keys, <laughs> This and this is almost like 20 years later. I had to go return. I found housing. I was very fortunate, found housing really quickly, so about maybe two weeks in, so I wasn't even in the air a month um, at the dorms, and I went to the dorm office, so that was, like the person, the administration, and I had my keys, and I was ready to return my keys, and I used the wrong verb. I, I recall it again because it was such a an embarrassing situation for me at the time, because I get there. And of course, there are other French students who are, you know, starting to arrive and, um, you know, asking questions about housing, and whatnot. So we were probably about seven or eight in in the office. And the woman, <laughs> although I'm standing there, I have my keys in my hand, and I'm pushing them like she had one of those teller type um, setups. So she was behind like a like plexiglass but there was a little hole um where you could you know give money or whatever and i'm like pushing the keys towards her and i'll and i keep repeating but i'm repeating the wrong verb as like the verb to return something and she was like what <laughs> and that was about five minutes of like what i don't understand what i don't understand and finally another a french student who was there said she's returning the," and then she used the proper verb She was like she's returning the keys and i was like really? (laughs) Really? Like she, I mean, with all my gestures, with all that I was doing, she had made no effort to try to understand. So at that point, I, I realized I had a lot to learn still. Um, but after a year I did definitely feel, feel fluent. Um, uh, again my pronunciation got better my vocabulary expanded I mean all the things you would expect by being immersed um, and all of our classes were in French and, and and that was cool too so by the time after the intensive course and then you're in classes with um, with French students it was it was pretty cool <laughs> because you realized again like okay I, I wasn't as good as I thought I still have a lot to learn and and I'm going to learn um, because just by virtue of hearing um, the the the, what is the, like the, not the connotations or the syntax, I'm thinking of the word of like how people sound when they're speaking a language and I, um, and it's slipping my mind, but maybe it'll come back um, as I talk more. <laughs> so then, um, you know, go back and go finish up my, my um, degree in, in California. And it's interesting because people always assume, because of the large Latino population in California, that most, you're just more inclined to want to speak Spanish. And I did see, I mean, all the Spanish classes, whether it was in high school or it was in you know college, were much more full than, than French or any other language, but um, I always just liked the sound of it. I think maybe because of the similarities to Haitian Creole, understanding uh, the vocabulary, that um that really sort of I don't know it attracted me in some way that I always even if I was the one person I was more drawn to to learning French than I was Spanish um and I just really never was interested in Spanish although um later on (laughs) I realized uh, I was late to the party so I um you know went moved to south florida and at that point knew okay maybe i should start learning spanish because in south florida especially in miami-dade county there were places you would go into and literally i, I could, the person couldn't understand english and i couldn't understand spanish and that made things a little difficult i i remember actually walking out of a place um I remember um it was a restaurant, so I walk in and I'm asking like what their specials are and, and she was just like, No. <laughs> Only in Spanish. Like could not understand a word and I couldn't communicate. So I was like, No, this isn't gonna work. <laughs> but I wasn't I wasn't offended. I, I, I think I just knew. Um in California, maybe now it's prob it may be a little harder. But at now I you know, I went back a couple years ago and I still found that most places you know, the person was either bilingual, or but you definitely could communicate in English. Whereas South Florida had that different um, culture where there were areas that were sort of like enclaves for um, uh, Latin American communities, and they just spoke Spanish, and and nobody in that establishment could help you in English. But anyway, even then, so I, I spent seven years there, and I still never really learned (laughs) because, um, you know, we, in terms of my social circles and my work and all of that, it just was never necessary. So um, I I did not make any efforts during my whole time there, um, oddly enough, just to start learning. It wasn't until we decided to move to Venezuela, then I thought, okay, well, definitely I'm going to need to learn. And I did. I started (laughs) Sort of on my own, um, doing those. I think I bought CDs or something. If that was the thing at the time, <laughs> you know what? I remember I bought CDs and then I transferred them to my MP3. So CDs were were going out, but um, that was the easiest way to find like a, a course, a beginner's course, um, for me. And I would listen to it in the car. And uh, again, I I arrived, I think, in Venezuela feeling a little more confident than I should have. <laughs> I thought, oh yeah, I, you know, I, I repeat after the guy. Really well, I my pronunciation I felt really good about. Um, I knew I could ask for directions, I could um, you know say my name and and things like that. But I did not take into account the different accents that exist amongst Latin American countries. So, upon the guy on the CD or on on the little beginner's course, I don't know. I think he was an American. Who knows? But I I can't pinpoint his accent. However, when I got to Venezuela, I realized they did not sound like him, <laughs> and the words were harder to understand because of the, the way. So the word I was looking for earlier was cadence. So the cadence in which you speak, um, and that changes. So whether even within the same language, you would see, um, you know, you can hear people's, uh, you know, the way their, their pitch changes as they say a sentence. Um, that that can really, if especially when you're a beginner, it could really keep you from learning or understanding. Uh, So I knew I had to take a course and I wanted to like take a formal course and really, um, you know, put that effort in because I I was not confident that I was going to be able to, to learn on my own. So I started taking an intensive course and I ended up taking it for two years. So I, I like did the complete thing from start to finish. I was very proud. Um, and I, again, as with language learning, had those moments of like peaks and valleys where I was like, okay, I got this, I got this. And then boom, <laughs> you start learning a different tense. And what I realized during that course also is how beautiful of a language it is because of the verb tenses. So there are a lot of verb tenses to to learn and the conjugations and all that, but the fact that a lot of those tenses are used based on your emotion, that was that was a change for me. Um, it was a challenge, but I ended up finding the beauty in it. I'm used to rules. I'm used to okay when you use this, and then after you know when you start the sentence using this clause, then the following clause is this. That's French, and I think for the most part that's English as well. But with Spanish, I would I would ask, you know, my my professor, okay, when you start a sentence with this, what follows? And the answer was, it depends. <laughs> depends on what you want to convey. It depends on what you're feeling. And I was like, what? So that was a challenge for me because I wanted the rules. I wanted to know this is what I have to memorize, and I'll always know when to use it. Until I started speaking more, and then I realized the. The beauty in in, in changing um, your verb tense and having it um, convey a, a different emotion um, or different. Um, you know whether you were you know trying to say something was definitive or or something was a maybe or you wanted to be polite about the way you were saying it i just thought that in the end after when i started using it then it was beautiful but yeah it was it was a challenge now my my one bad experience and i i'm picking these tough experiences because i think despite having them i I I persevered. I didn't let that experience kind of say, well, or push me to go, well, I don't want to learn this language. These people are horrible. (laughs) So it's, it's, I, I don't see it as a, as a total negative. They are, they're, they were tough for me in the moment, but they're also part of the reason why I, I kept at it and I wanted to get better. So early on, again, when I was, when I was in Venezuela, I went to a grocery store and, um, I. I, there were so much. There's so much I, I didn't know <laughs> about the culture, about society, and that'll be another episode. But I am standing in line, and um, and lines are are still I think more of a thing in Latin America. You see people like when they're in a line, they respect it. Um, I don't want to generalize, so I would say for Venezuela and for for Ecuador, I've seen that like li- lines are respected. So and Cuba, as a matter of fact. Um, I was, yeah, waiting my turn to, to check out. And then this older woman um, gets in front of me. And behind me, there were at least like 10 people. Um, and I thought, because, you know, she's an older woman, maybe she didn't really look back and see that there's this huge line. Like, you're not just cutting in front of me, you're cutting in front of them. And I say to her, um, excuse me, the line is back there. And... Okay, but I, so I knew how to say that much, but then this lady goes berserk, I mean, and when I say berserk, like, she goes off on me for, like, five minutes, um, so much so, like, I kind of just moved back and let her go, not understanding, and I legit did not understand what she was saying, why she was so upset by me pointing out that there was a line, and, um... And then eventually, and I'm looking at the cashier, she's looking at me, nothing is said, no explanation is given. So I let the lady go, and then I pay for my stuff, and then I go. Later on that evening, I'm talking to my husband, and I explain what happened, and lo and behold, so old uh, senior citizens do not stand in line. They get preferential treatment, which is great. I just didn't know. (laughs) So that's what the lady was upset about, that I didn't know, um, that she didn't have to stand in line. And... It was odd because once I understood, I just, I got really upset. Like I I got upset because I was frustrated that I didn't understand. I was frustrated that um, nobody even, they knew I was a foreigner, obviously. And they, nobody made an effort to try to explain it to me in basic terms um, as to why she was so upset. Or explain to her, like, okay, she's a foreigner. (laughs) She doesn't know um, that this this is the rule here. Um, And... Again, that situation, as horrible as it made me feel, I just said, okay, well, that's not going to happen again. <laughs> I'm going to make sure next time I am ready, and that's that's just, it's, it's not okay. It's not okay, and, it's, and, it was, and so it was more than the language. It was also making sure that I understood some of those cultural norms and, and, and those sort of unspoken rules that nobody prepares you for. There's no manual <laughs> explaining mm-hmm. that this is how things are done. So a few years ago, now I'm I was at that point feeling really good after my you know time or my two year course um, that I had learned uh, a really really good amount of Spanish and I felt fluent and I knew that it was just gonna you just continue learning and that's another thing that I've always felt about languages is that it's not a it never it's it's not. A process that hasn't started and end. it's ongoing. I still like; I feel like I still learn new words in English, and um, and it's it's sort of great when you when you think of it that way that it's you you can't really get bored <laughs> because there's always something new to learn. Um, but I had always um, wanted to learn Italian, and I just never saw a moment to fit it in. Um, so that I did two years ago start on my own. Um, I have not taken an official course, but I'm really happy that I've gotten to do it sort of at my own pace. And there was not the usual pressure. I watch movies from time to time. I do my lessons every morning and it's just gone as it's gone. Now I do want to get to that level of, of being comfortable speaking and, and all of that, but it's, to me there's there's not i at least for now i don't feel a lot of pressure to do that i'm just happy to continue my 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 bilingual journey so that's it for today question how do you feel about learning a language if you if you like to travel or if you have plans to to expatriate are you thinking that you must learn the language or are you going to try and forge through with your english <laughs> that's that's not that uncommon. <laughs> so let me know. Um, you can reach me via Twitter, via Instagram, and I will see you on the next episode. Until then, be well.